Hello, this is Drew Collins with the latest of these reflections on the propers, the collect, epistle, and gospel appointed for each Sunday and prayer book holy day as I am trying this out as I've done before, but trying this out in this new medium. So thank you for joining me. Today is the uh, 14th of February, 2021 um, now. In non-liturgical churches, and even in possibly some liturgical churches, I imagine the uh, topic for today's sermon was probably love and romance. Uh, why? Because it is also uh, the Feast of St. Valentine. It's actually, curiously, the Roman Catholic Church omitted or removed St. Valentine from their calendar some years ago, in part because there's some doubt as to whether or not St. Valentine ever uh, existed as a um, as an historical person, but regardless of that, um, at least in the prayer book, uh, that minor feast would be superseded by this uh, Sunday called Quinquagesima, or the or the Sunday before Lent. So this Sunday would take precedence over that, um, and uh, so I would invite you to pray with me now. The collect appointed for uh, this Sunday before Lent. O Lord, who has taught us that all our doings without charity are nothing worth, send thy Holy Ghost and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the very bond of peace and of all virtues, without whosoever liveth is counted, without which whosoever liveth is counted dead before thee. Grant this for thine only Son, Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Well, in this collect, we ask, we first of all acknowledge that God has taught us that all our doings without charity which is uh, more commonly today and in most modern uh, Bible translations uh, rendered as love. And the, the epistle appointed for today is uh, first, uh, first Corinthians 13, so that will certainly allude to that or, or that comes into play here. But we acknowledge that God has taught us that all our doings without love are worth nothing or nothing worth if we don't have love in what we do, and that's the point of 1 Corinthians 13, our, our, all of our actions are but as a gong, a clanging cymbal, a rather unpleasant noise in God's ears. So we ask that God will send the Holy Ghost. God the Father will send the Holy Ghost and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity and that we acknowledge that it is the very bond of peace and of all virtues, that if we have love in our hearts, if our, um, if our actions flow from love, then they are the very bond of peace and all virtues, and we acknowledge that without which those who live are counted dead before God. We ask that he would grant this for the sake, of course, of his only Son, Jesus Christ. The epistle appointed for today is First Corinthians, uh, first Saint Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, the thirteenth chapter. Here it begins: If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to move mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. 
Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Well, as I mentioned, I imagine this chapter uh, was probably the subject for sermons in in, in a number of non-liturgical churches today as well. Uh, Probably an odd confluence of of calendars. between the free church tradition and, and the classical uh, prayer book tradition. But St. Paul uh, is interesting because this uh, passage, this chapter, this very short chapter in this epistle, is a favorite for weddings. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. But it is curious to note that the form of that the Greek um word used for love there is agape. Eros is the romantic word, uh, the, the word for romantic love. And um, that is a distinction that is lost in our, in our use of, of the word love in the English language. Uh, eros is, as I mentioned, romantic love, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, at all. Romantic love is wonderful. Who of us who has ever been in love did not uh, enjoy it and thrill at the thought of it and uh, it made our hearts leap and our our steps uh, light and it made us giddy and that's what falling in love is about. That's why romantic films are popular. That's why uh, romantic songs are popular. And if one considers the the corpus of music that is out there, uh, certainly love songs, are, are some of the most popular. But the problem with, that, with conflating that and agape, as spelled out in this chapter, is, <clears throat> first of all, eros is to be properly restricted to one person, one's beloved, one's spouse, Whereas agape is the kind of love that God has shown to us, that Christ showed to us, and and even more that we as Christians are called upon to show uh, one another as we are conformed more and more to the image of Christ and as we are seeking to live lives that bear a closer and closer imitation of him. Agape is instead, or, or it is often mispronounced agape, but agape is the love that is selfless love, it is the kind of love that was shown to us uh, by Jesus. It was the kind of love that God has for us. It is a totally self, selfless love. 
It is a deep love and an abiding love. And so St. Paul notes, if I speak in the, in the tongues of men and of angels, if I am eloquent but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If you're my age or slightly younger or older, you may remember the gong show uh, with these absolutely horrible performances. Most of the time, every now and then, someone very talented crept in. But the gong show would have these absolutely horrible performances, and you'd wonder when, uh, how much longer will they be able to take it. And it, when, the get, when the judges could take it no more, they rang the gong. And, uh, and it was an unpleasant noise that ended often unpleasant noise or a clanging cymbal. No matter how eloquent we are in our own strength, uh, in our own power, of our own motivation, if we have not love, we are just as unpleasant as that noisy gong or clanging cymbal. St. Paul notes, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. It is possible to have orthodoxy well, at least have right doctrine. Orthodoxy actually means right worship. And if love does not permeate our worship, then I guess it could be argued we're not truly orthodox. But it is pro it is possible to have proper doctrine and proper uh, and, and and proclaim that doctrine powerfully, and and that is certainly important. I do not hold to the head heart distinction that many try to to create. And I also don't say, well, uh, that doctrine uh, unnecessarily divides. Right doctrine is important, and standing for the truth is vitally important. But if we do so without love, no matter how powerful our proclamation of it is, we are nothing. And if I give all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned... But have not love, I am nothing. It is possible to be greatly uh, generous with our time and our treasure. It is possible to be very benevolent and a great benefactor, but if it is not done out of love, then, uh, then it is nothing. It is possible, St. Paul tells us, even to go to a martyr's death. But if we don't have love, uh, it gains nothing for us. It is nothing in God's eyes. This should be convicting to all of us because I'm sure if you ponder this as I ponder it, there are times in my life where I realize I'm not as loving as I should be, where love does not animate uh, even some of the good things I may do. By God's grace, may love, may charity be poured into my heart and into all of our hearts. St. Paul goes on to note, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. 
<clears throat> it does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is what we are called upon to do as Christians, one with another. To show love. That agape love. That selfless, complete, deep love. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. All of those things, good as they are, will one day end or have ended. But are, they're temporary, but love never ends. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Our understanding of God, while it is hopefully true and faithful, and if we are grounding it upon the scriptures, it is. But our understanding of God, as wonderful as it is, is imperfect at this time. When the perfect comes, when God returns, when we see God face to face, then we will then we will then the partial will pass away st paul compares this to himself's own development as a child when he was a child he spoke like a child he thought like a child he reasoned like a child as we all do but when he became a man he gave up childish things hopefully for all of us as we are maturing in the faith, but also just in life in general, hopefully there is a development between uh, us as children and us as grown men, as, the, as mature adults. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now, most of us probably don't think of mirrors as great technology, but in fact they are. The, our modern mirrors uh, have not been around for, for very long. They've been around for some, some hundreds of years. But even then they were a luxury <clears throat> that often was afforded only to the, to the wealthy. I mean, today I can go to a store buy a mirror for less than a dollar that probably reflects just as well as uh, a mirror that several hundred years ago would have cost a hundred dollars but mirrors in St. Paul's day were particularly primitive and so he did not one did not see clearly when one looked into that mirror and so he uses that as an example we see in a mirror darkly but then we will see not as through a mirror, but we will see God face to face. We will be 
seen by him. We know in part now, but then we shall know fully our understanding of God's grace and his mercy and his magnificence will be understood by us in ways that we cannot even dare to comprehend now. We will understand him just as he understands us. So he notes that faith, hope, and love abide. All of those abide, but the greatest of those is love. And the gospel appointed for today uh, may be found in the gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter, beginning at the 31st verse. And taking up the twelve, he, Jesus, said to them, See, we're going to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. They did not grasp what was said. As he drew over to Jericho, drew near to Jericho, excuse me, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, "He said, Lord, help me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Well, we've just heard a description of what love looks like, and Jesus here foretells the greatest act of love that will ever be committed, that is, his own going to the cross. He told his disciples, he foretold uh, 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 to them uh, a third time his death in, in Jerusalem. He said, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Perhaps they thought going to Jerusalem and what would be accomplished would be the, the Messiah's, the beginning of the Messiah's reign, and it was, but the beginning of the Messiah's earthly reign in a very visible form. So he clarifies for them, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. He foretold what was to happen. He, Jesus told about that first, about his betrayal and his passion and his death and his resurrection. But we read that the disciples did not understood. They understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them. and They did not grasp what was said. 
They at that time did not understand what was to come. We have the privilege, as I often say, of looking back on history and understanding history, but the disciples at that time did not. And so they continue on the way and they draw near to Jericho and this blind man is sitting by the roadside begging. Begging was likely the only the only support and sustenance that poor man had. He had absolutely nothing. And even though he could not see, he he hears this crowd going by. He senses perhaps that something is is different. And so he asked, why is this crowd going by? What, what's, what does this mean? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And perhaps, apparently he had heard of Jesus already because he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people in front rebuke him. They say, be, be silent, be quiet, old man. Maybe he wasn't old, but be quiet, You're bothering us, and you're probably bothering him. But as they rebuke him, <clears throat> he cries out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. That old man, that man, that blind man, whom I apparently want to visualize as being old, but that blind man had nothing else at that moment. He had nothing else. Jesus was all of the hope that he had, but amazingly it was enough. And so he would not be silent, but he cried out all the more. And Jesus, lo and behold, stops. And he calls for him to be brought to him. And as he comes near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Others rebuked him. Jesus didn't rebuke him. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man says, let me recover my sight. And so Jesus, acting out of love, told him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovers his sight. And he follows Jesus, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. The epistle appointed for today demonstrates uh, or describes love. Jesus describes what love looks like in terms of sacrifices, him giving himself up on the cross, the fact that he, he went knowing what was coming, that was out of pure love. No sane person would seek that kind of death motivated by anything else other than love. Our natural inclination would be to protect ourselves and know that if that was what await us, awaits us, we would avoid Jerusalem at all cost. It also demonstrates his love shown to this blind man. May God pour into our hearts love where it is lacking. 
may he magnify it. May the Holy Spirit take our old, hardened, stony hearts and instead replace them with fleshly hearts that beat and are living and love as we seek to love God and our neighbor. Thank you.